Thank you for joining us today. For more information about our service times, visit okoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at okoegt. Now let's prepare our hearts as we go into the message. Hey, take the Bible that you brought and hold it high in the air, whether it's in book form or digital form, and I want you to say this after me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I am what it says I am, and I will do what it says for me to do. I place myself under the authority of God's word. It says I am blessed, therefore I am blessed. It says I am an overcomer, therefore I overcome every obstacle, every challenge, and every hindrance through the name above every name, Jesus Christ. I open my heart, I open my mind to receive God's word. I receive this word and I confess this word in the name of Jesus, amen. Now take that same Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 16. And today we conclude our sermon series on the road to Jerusalem. And as you can tell by the notes you received when you came in, what now? What is next? And to answer this question, we're going to go to the end of one of the Gospels, Look at the words of Christ to his disciples and gather from that what our next is. Christ has arisen. What happens now? Let's begin reading in verse 14 of Mark's gospel, chapter 16. The New Living Translation says, Still later he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. Have you noticed a lot of the instructions of Christ happen around the dinner table? Happen around eating, breaking bread? It's important that we break bread together. It's important as a family, you break bread with your children and your spouse. You eat together. It's amazing what revelations will come around the dinner table. Can you say amen? As they were eating together, he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Now, we're going to come back to that verse in just a moment. I think it's important when we're talking about our next. What is next? Verse 15, then he, then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and they drink anything poisonous. It will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. And when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said 
by many miraculous signs. Now, I want you to drop back to verse 14, the second part of verse 14, just for a few moments. Notice, he rebuked them for their stubborn, notice that word stubborn, stubborn unbelief because they refuse to believe. Before the what now moment, unbelief had to be dealt with. If we are going to go to the next, whatever next is, then unbelief in our own hearts have to be dealt with. I think this is so important because there's a part of our brokenness, our, our, our old man, that, that, that old nature that is given to unbelief. You ever notice this and somebody's telling you a story and then you go, no way. It's like, it's one of the first things that we do. Nah. Or, or now you say, shut up. <laughs> like, there ain't no way. What's next? Before Jesus could deal with what's next, he had to deal with the unbelief. And it's, un, it's interesting how unbelief can still exist even with such displays of the miraculous. I know how we are. This is, this is us. Man, if I was one of the disciples, I wouldn't have zero unbelief. I mean, I, when, I, when I saw Jesus, I mean, I'd been all in. <laughs> yeah, until you're one of his disciples. To you there. It's, it's, it's amazing how, how judgmental we can be towards someone else's. Like, I can't believe they just won't do what needs to be done. I just, I just can't believe they just won't just follow Jesus. They just won't, 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 won't just believe. It's so, so simple. But then, how often do we find ourselves dealing with unbelief after we've seen miracle after miracle, God's faithfulness after faithfulness, God's revelation after revelation, hear God speak, been in such powerful services, and we still have this thing with unbelief. It's a part of our brokenness. It's a part of that old man that I think we have to deal with all the time because unbelief will do its best to creep in because unbelief can stop the flow of God working in your life. Faith releases the hand of God, but unbelief leads to fear. Fear paralyzes. Now, Mark gives a summary statement of what took place the 40 days after his resurrection. We learned last week that he revealed himself to two men walking, two followers, ordinary, everyday followers, to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him at first, but as soon as he broke the bread, it's like their eyes were open, and they ran back to Jerusalem and told them they had seen the resurrected Lord, that, that what the women had said is really true, and, and, and the other disciples who saw the empty tomb. He really was alive. And, and in the previous verse, verse 13, Mark alludes to, to how he revealed himself to two followers, two disciples, and the 11 still did not believe. And before he could get to the next, he dealt with their, and I love how the New Living Translation puts this, their stubborn unbelief. Stubborn unbelief, which means hardness of heart, a completely unyielding. Have you ever been so convinced of one area in your life, one thing, and I mean, you were just like going to go to your grave with it until you were just face to face with the facts, 
And it was like you realized you were wrong. But you were so convinced that you were right. And like nobody could change your mind until it was right there. Wives, you know how your husbands are. It's like right there. And then finally a light bulb goes on. You were right the whole time, ladies. I just couldn't see it. <laughs> Say, you hear my wife? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Jesus talking to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> oh, my Jesus, Lord, help me. It's a good thing I got to go somewhere else at 3 o'clock and preach today <laughs> to give my wife some time to cool down. Amen. <laughs> but, it, but it's like, it's like, we were convinced, and then suddenly when you realize that light bulb moment, you're like, wow, I was wrong. And that's almost like the unbelief these disciples were having, and Jesus is dealing with it. He says, it's a stubborn unbelief. And you have to crucify that part of the old man. you got to crucify that part of the old nature because it will try to creep in. Before the what now... Jesus dealt with unbelief in the disciples, and it's important to deal with any unbelief in our hearts. It's also amazing to me how we can believe God for one area of our life, but then another area, it's like we struggle. We've seen God faithful over here, but, but then this area is like, oh, we just are full of doubt. Deal with the stubborn unbelief. Let's look first of all at what Jesus said. Notice this, write this. Then he said. He dealt with the unbelief. Then he said. He began to unfold what is next. Verse, verse 15. Then he told them, said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And then after he dealt with their lack of faith, his, their unbelief, then he gave them instructions. He says, go. The disciples were to give themselves to being, to doing, to going, action. They were to be on the move. And I believe the church today is to be a place that is going, that is doing, that is being. We should be going, telling our coworkers, telling our family members about, about how the Lord has saved us, about the resurrected Christ, that we have seen him. He's alive and he's transformed us. We should be doing. I love our church yesterday. We, we, we blessed over 270 families with free food. Almost 1,000 people represented in those cars. That's doing the work of God. We must be doing, but we must not forget about being. We have to be the follower of Christ, the reflection of Christ, the light of the world, the salt of the, of the earth. And sometimes you may realize that your purpose is God has planted you in that job that you may not quite just adore, but he's planted you there to be salt, to be light. 
Because I want to remind you as a follower of Christ, you're living for a higher purpose. You're living for more than a paycheck on Friday or a paycheck every two weeks. You're living more than what's just in your bank account. You're living for the purpose and the plan of God to be fulfilled. And he says, listen, you're to, you're to go, you're to do, you're to be. And you're to preach the good news. The good news is this. He's alive. He's the Messiah. He's come to save us from our sins and to bring us into right relationship with God the Father. And what is this good news? It's eternal life. It's no more condemnation. It's peace with God and the peace of God. But write this word to everyone. Not just to the people you like. <laughs> Not just to the people that, that, that look like you or or be in the same social economic class as you, or had the same uh, uh, opportunities as you. No, no, to every one. And anyone who believes will be saved. But notice the consequence. The gospel requires an action from people. But those who do not believe will be condemned. See, that's the power of the gospel. The gospel is not dormant. That's why Jesus said go. That's why Jesus said tell. That's why Jesus said preach. Because it demands a response just like today. God, the Holy Spirit is going to demand a response from you. We have to respond to the word of God. Thank God you responded by faith in believing that Christ is the Lord. But every time we hear the word of God preached, there's a, there's a, a demand for a response in our life. What are we going to do with the knowledge that we have? Well, when we preach and teach and we talk about Christ, when we're the light of the world, it will cause others to believe. But then some will reject and will bring condemnation to their own heart. So what is next? Jesus said, give them this message. Preach this message. Write this. It's a message of hope. He begins to describe it in verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in the name. And in my name, they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Mm-mm-mm. Leave your snakes at home. <laughs> my mama taught me better, I promise. If they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Notice these miraculous signs. A miraculous sign is a marvelous event manifesting a, a supernatural act of a divine agent, often deviating from the normal course of laws or of, of nature. Now, look at these signs that, that, that Mark lay out. He says, they'll cast out demons in my name. Cast out, talking about authority over the powers of darkness. How many realize you have authority in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Now, in a few moments, we're going to see what next is. We're going to talk about next, talk about the authority you have. And there's a reason you have authority, because something we're, uh, that, that Christ accomplished. We'll get there in just a moment. 
What signs? You'll speak in new languages. We see this in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Just a few days later after Jesus spoke these words, if these words were spoken somewhere on the, on the 40th day, then, then 10 days later, the disciples are gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Jerusalem is filled, and Acts 2 says they were in one place gathered together, and as they were sitting, tongues of fire came down upon each of them. They began to magnify God. They began to speak in other languages, and we call this the birth of the church, where the, where the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out, poured out upon the disciples. Peter referred to it as that that Joel spoke about. This is that which Joel prophesied about. In the last days, I will pour my spirit out. Let me tell you, we're living in the last days of God pouring his spirit out. Aren't you thankful that God is pouring his spirit out? They'll handle snakes with safety and they drink anything poisonous. Now, let me give a... a, a, a and then, uh, what, what do you call that when they, when, when they give you an, an endorsement, but they give you a parenthesis? Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's not an endorsement for a snake handling church. I like how Warren Wiersbe, that great Baptist, and I, I appreciate the Baptist. Let me tell you what he said. Jesus refused to tempt God, and we should follow his example. Yes, God cares for his children when in his will they are in dangerous places. But he is not obligated to care for us when we foolishly act out of his will. Come on, somebody. God, here I am. God, I'm doing what I want to do. Now, God, bless what I'm doing. We are called to live by faith, not by chance, and to trust God, not tempt God. Now, when I read these verses, what I read is this. I read divine protection. There are examples in the New Testament, the book of Acts. Apostle Paul, for, for example, in Acts 28, and he had been shipwrecked on the island, and he's collecting twigs to, to start a fire, and he's throwing wood on the fire, and a viper, a snake, latches onto his hand, and he shakes it off, and there's no harm to him. There's divine protection. And I believe that there's divine protection for each of us when we're doing God's will, when we're walking out his purposes and his plans. Just as if you would take up a snake and handle it, it will bring no harm to you. When you walk into the furnace, there will not even be the smell of smoke upon you. The fire will not send you. It will not destroy you. And the smoke will not overcome you. Why? Because you're protected by the hand of God. You're protected by the goodness of God. Some some of you know what I'm talking about. You showed up on Monday morning and everybody began to attack you. But guess what? On Friday, you were still standing. On Friday, you were still there. Some of you, you walked through the fire. You've seen where people come against you. They've accused you. They've labeled you. But you're still here serving God. You're still here doing the things of God. God has protected you. And he will continue to protect you. That's the goodness of God. That's the faithfulness of God. So don't fear what tomorrow brings. What's next? You're covered by the goodness of God, by the faithfulness of God. You'll heal the sick. Speaks of divine healing. Let me read what Isaiah 53 says. I'm thankful for Isaiah 53. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, 
crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. Why was he beaten? So you could be made whole. Why did he suffer? So you could, in his suffering, find wholeness. Now notice what it says. He was whipped so we could be healed. I love how the old English says it. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. They beat our Lord. They, 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 they split open his back. They whipped him, but every lash that he took was for your healing. There is wholeness in Christ Jesus. There's physical healing. There's emotional healing. There's spiritual healing. He's come to bring wholeness to you, to your family, to your relationships. That's the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. What is next? Our next is to walk in healing. Our next is to walk in wholeness. Our next is to walk in completeness. We're not to live a life of brokenness. We're not to live a life like the world. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous life so that we can display his goodness, his healing in our life, his healing in our homes. Your home should be different than the homes of the world. And then when we do face crises, we should handle those crises differently than non-believers because we have the hope that's found in Christ Jesus. Which brings us to the third thing. Talking about next. Verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Notice, Jesus dealt with the unbelief. He then told them what next was. And now he's taken up into heaven. Mark simply gives an overview look. Mark implies that after the 40 days was over, he, Jesus, had finished giving the disciples sufficient direction and proof of his resurrection. When he had finished these things, then he ascended. Now, Luke describes this in a little more detail. You'll find it in his gospel, chapter 24, where he says, Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting up his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them. And was taken up to heaven. And so they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem. Luke later writes in, in, in the Acts chapter 1. Gives us a little more detail concerning the ascension of Christ. The disciples, when apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can you say amen? Yeah. You will receive power. Talking about the next. <laughs> you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. That word for witness is martus, where we get our English word martyr from. One who is willing to lay their life down. We will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. He ascended. It means to be taken up, to ascend. Where? To heaven. You know what the good news is? Heaven is real. It is a real place, a true locale, not just a figment of our imagination. Jesus said this, John records it in his gospel. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you. Heaven is a real place. Paul, writing to the church of Colossae in chapter 3, verse 1, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. I love the phrase, set your sights on the realities of heaven. What is now? What is next? Set your sights on the realities of heaven, realizing that you're living life with a purpose and a sense of direction. A lot of people today don't have a sense of direction. Every believer has a sense of direction. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Now, write this. What is the significance of the ascension? What's the significance? This is very important. It marks the end of the earthly ministry of Christ. He's ascended. He's left the earth. It also secures the resurrection of every believer to God. He says, hey, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'm going to prepare. And when I'm finished, I'm going to come get you. Every, every individual... It, it marks the first entrance of a resurrected humanity into heaven and the beginning of a new work in heaven. The Messiah, Jesus, fully man, fully God, resurrected, ascends into heaven. Humanity is in heaven. Jesus exalted. Jesus ascended into heaven. Hebrews says this in chapter 6, verse 20. Jesus has already gone in there for us. Be encouraged today. He's the pioneer of our faith. He's the captain of our salvation. Don't fear tomorrow. Why? Because he's already led the way. He's already gone in the curtain for us. He's already there, ascended, and one day we shall be with him. It also made the sending of the Holy Spirit to the church possible. In John 16, Jesus said this, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate will not come. 
But if I do go away, I will send him to you. Christ ascending into heaven made it possible for the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be sent to the church, to the believers. And hear me today, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives and abides and dwells within you. Paul said, know you not that ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit lives, abides, and dwells within your life. What is next? Don't fear next. Don't fear next because God's spirit lives in you. Live your life with purpose. Live your life with a sense of direction, knowing that God is enabling you. He's ascended. It made the Holy Spirit possible to come and live and dwell among us so that we can be the people God has called us to be. We also see in the death of Stephen, the first martyr of the church, in Acts 7, as, as they took up stones to throw at Stephen, as they're hitting him with the stones, before he becomes unconscious, he looks up into the heavens, and he sees the heavens open. He has a glimpse of the throne of heaven. Jesus standing at the right hand of heaven. And he yells out, he cries out, declaring what he just saw. Church, let me tell you what's going to give you comfort, what's going to help you in moments when people are rejecting you, when you feel like people are beating you up, when you feel like people are beating you down. Let me tell you, understand your Christ is exalted. Your Christ is in heaven. Your Christ is in the right hand of the Father. It will give you comfort just like it gave Stephen comfort. It is here that we see him sitting at the right hand of of the Father. Notice verse 19 of Mark 16. He was taken up into heaven, sat down the place of honor at God's right hand. The throne of glory, from where the self revelations of God take place. It describes it as the right hand, speaking of power, authority, a place of honor. Peter would write this later in his life. 1 Peter 3.22, now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. It speaks that he has the authority and the power to carry it out, to carry what out, to carry out God's promises, to carry out God's continued work. What is next? Let me tell you, what is next you need to understand God has you the ability and the power and the might to carry out his purpose through your life. What is your next? Your next is to be who God's called you to be. Be his mouthpiece. Testify. Tell the story of God in your own words. Tell your friends how he's transformed your life. Tell them how, how he has touched you and healed your marriage and, and healed, healed your life and healed your home and, 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 and touched you and helped you. He'll give you the power to be. He is exalted to the right hand of the Father, a place of authority. I talked about this a few years ago. In theological terms, it's called the session. Write that word, session. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, praying 
for you. What is your next? What now? Realize that Christ has ascended. He's ascended and placed at the right hand of the Father, a place of honor, a place of privilege, a place of authority, and he's your advocate. He's interceding for you. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. The sun sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. And when he had cleansed us from our sins, he, the sun, sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. He sat down signifying a finished work. Write that, finished work. It is done. What were the last words of Jesus hanging on the cross? It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost, yielded his spirit. He bowed his head, breathed his last. It is finished. Christ ascending to the right hand of the Father not only testifies of his authority, but we see what his session is. He's praying. He's interceding. He's your advocate. And can I remind you, there is no greater advocate than Jesus the Christ. I'm so thankful that he's taken my side. I'm so thankful that he's praying. I'm so thankful that when the accuser comes before the throne and says, oh, that Gary Howell, he's a dirty joker. That old Gary Howell, he's a scoundrel. That old Gary Howell, you should know what his past is. I'm thankful that there's an advocate that says, but Father, he's covered by the blood. But Father, he's covered. He's forgiven. He's a child. He's one of ours, God. He's been redeemed. That's why we let the redeemed of the Lord say so because our sins are washed away I'm thankful today that the work has been finished which brings us to our last thought what's next notice the response verse 20 the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said with many miraculous signs. Notice there was something that took place before the miraculous signs happened. So often we're waiting for the, waiting for the miraculous signs and then. Yeah. But no, they went. May you and I respond with the same fortitude. May you and I respond with the same desire, the same response the disciples had. They went. In other words, they responded. They went everywhere. There was not a place they were not willing to go. What is next? Be you. Be that transformed life. Be that follower of Christ. Be that disciple. Be that, be that Christ follower in the home. Be that Christ follower in the marketplace. Be that Christ follower in uh, our community. It says they preached. Paul told the Corinthian churches through the foolishness of preaching that God has used to save them that, that, that are lost but now believe. Through the foolishness of preaching, preach, hear me, preach, tell, prophesy, talk about the word of God. Talk about the word of God. People may think you crazy. Talk about the word of God. Preach the word of God because God has chosen this mode that the lost may hear and be saved. And I love this part. And the Lord worked through them. What is now? What's your next? 
Go and be. Go and do. Your Christ has been exalted to the right hand of the Father. All authority has been given to him. He's going to protect you. He's going to guard you. He's going to be there. He's there to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And as you go, God will work. As you be, God will work. As you speak, God will do the miraculous. As you speak and declare, God will do the impossible. As you speak and declare and be, God will manifest his miraculous, the supernatural in your life. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have, God, to share your word today. What is next? Lord, in order for us to reach our next, what now? We have to deal with any unbelief. And Lord, unbelief, something that a lot of us deal with. I would even venture to say all of us deal with doubts and fears, questions, apprehensions, trying to hold on to the old and refusing to release that which is familiar and comfortable and lay hold to the now. God, I pray. Pray that unbelief in us, God, will be dealt with. That unbelief in us will be crucified. That unbelief with us, that stubborn unbelief, the New Living Translation said. Jesus dealt with it. And then he talked about what's next. And Lord, I know there's many like me. At times, we got to deal with that unbelief. And maybe... Maybe there's some here today, they've just been beaten up. Life's just been hard lately. And Lord, you've dropped a, just a, a truth bomb in their, their life and a dream. And, and maybe, maybe they're just having a hard time because everybody's told them it can't happen. You can't do it. It's not going not gonna to take place. They're having a hard time dealing with the unbelief. Maybe the unbelief is holding on to some sin some old habits. Deal with the unbelief in your life so God can reveal what's next, so you can embrace what's next. Don't let the unbelief steal you from the joys God has in front of you. As our head is bowed and our eyes are closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's some unbelief in my heart that I need God to deal with. Just lift your hand right now. Just lift it. Yes, 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 yes. Just some unbelief, some things that we're having trouble maybe letting go of. Yes, God, you see those hands. And right now, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, just as Jesus dealt with the unbelief and the disciples, I pray. God, we, we, we've acknowledged it. And God, we confess it to you right now. And Lord, you're going to do something great. You're going to show us next. God, I pray. I pray, Jesus, that you would work and move. Move. What do you need from Christ today? Do you need 
Do you need healing? Maybe you're, you're steward of some broken things. Maybe you need wholeness. Invite Jesus into your brokenness. Invite him into that situation. What's saying, Pastor, I'm in a hard place right now. I'm in a situation where there seems to be some brokenness, and, and I just need God to move. I need God to bring some healing in this situation. Lift your hand right now. God's working. God's working right now. Can we all stand together? As GT Worship leads us, will you step out from where you are, and will you come down front? Let us respond to the word. There's an opportunity today for us to respond to the word of God. Come as we respond to the word. And as we respond to the preaching of the word, God is going to work. God is going to move. Holy Spirit is going to do something in you that only he can do. He knows exactly what needs to happen. Take place.